This is the Regular Pastor Podcast, a podcast devoted to regular pastors and regular churches. My name is Landon Coleman. I am a regular pastor at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Odessa, Texas. You have fallen into Season 4 of the Regular Pastor Podcast, in which I'm talking about books and ideas and how those books and how those ideas apply to the day-in and day-out ministry of regular pastors. The book that I want to talk about today is a book written by Thomas Sowell, and the book is titled Discrimination and Disparities. A friend turned me on to Thomas Sowell about a year ago, and I bought several of his books. This is the first one that I've read, and I'm eager to read more of his works, Discrimination and Disparities. The publisher is Basic Books. The book is uh, 308 pages total, but it's 228 pages of book and then about 80 pages of footnotes, or I should say endnotes. The book has a preface and seven chapters, and it was published in 2019. If you're like me and you weren't familiar with Thomas Sowell, or you aren't familiar with Thomas Sowell, uh, let me tell you just a little bit about him as a person. Sowell is an economist and a scholar. He writes, uh, he has written for the Wall Street Journal and for Forbes. He's written a lot of books that have been translated into a lot of different languages. Uh, he served as a senior fellow of the Hoover Institution at Stanford University. And his personal story is absolutely fascinating. Just very briefly, he grew up in Harlem and he dropped out of high school. After dropping out of high school, he enlisted in the Marine Corps and he served in the Marine Corps during the Korean War. He went on to attend Harvard, where he graduated magna cum laude, and then he received a master's from Columbia University and a doctorate from the University of Chicago. So quite a remarkable story for a guy who started out dropping out of high school. Sol is 91 years old. He was born in 1930 in Gastonia, North Carolina. Now, discrimination and disparities. The book argues and just makes the obvious statement that there are economic inequalities in the world, meaning there are rich people and there are poor people. So Sowell uh, says this on page Roman numeral 7. This is towards the beginning, talking about this book. He says, The goal of discrimination and disparities will be met if I can provide clarification on some major social issues that are too often mired in dogmas and obfuscation, individuals can then decide what policies suit their own values and goals. And so Sol is telling us that people are confused. Yes, there is economic inequality in the world, but people are confused about why these economic disparities, these economic inequalities exist. And he's making the point that too often the confusion is rooted in dogma and obfuscation. It's rooted in mis misguided, uh, misapplied worldviews. And he's also making the point that if you're wrong in thinking through why these disparities exist, you'll end up being on the wrong side of policies and policy making. So let me share a few important ideas from the book. On page 18, I already mentioned this, Sol says this, the world has never been a level playing field, end quote. The world has never been a level playing field. 
if you assume that the world should be or can be a level playing field, you are ignoring history and reality. And Sol looks at this comparing one nation to another nation. And he just makes the, the obvious observation that geography varies nation to nation. Natural resources vary nation to nation. Technology varies nation to nation. Demographic breakdowns vary nation to nation. Be slow to think that there is some sort of international intentional discrimination taking place that causes these inequalities and disparities between prosperous nations and less prosperous nations. Sol just makes a case that there are multiple, multiple factors at play at why some nations are more advanced and economically prosperous and others aren't. Here's another idea that I think is important. In light of this first truth, that the world's never been a level playing field, Sol says this, quote, Neither logic nor empirical evidence provides a compelling reason for expecting either equal or random outcomes among individuals, groups, institutions, or nations. Meaning, the numbers do not lead us to believe that equality in outcome is ever achievable. Equality of opportunity is one thing. We ought to strive towards that. But thinking that we can produce equality or equity in outcome is not intellectually honest. It's not serious. It's not rooted in logic or empirical evidence, Sol says. This realization changes the way you think about issues like increased minimum wage, uh, broader cultural issues like social justice and uh, redistribution of wealth and resources and land. Equality of opportunity is one thing, but equality of outcome is not something that is ever achievable, period. Now let's build off one and two, one more important idea from the book. Sol says this on page 123, quote, The notion that those who achieved must have been privileged at the outset, may be consistent with the prevailing social vision, but the more fundamental question is whether or to what extent that vision is consistent with empirical facts. So here's the deal. In 2021, we get bombarded every day with this notion that the wealthy, the rich, the elite are all just privileged people who had a leg up to begin with, and that is the prevailing social vision of wealth and prosperity in our country right now. Sol says, look, that's what everybody thinks, is they won before the race even started. The question is, does that line up with the facts? And Sol speaks as somebody, as a high school dropout serving in the Korean War, growing up in Harlem, who didn't have that leg up, but who has gone on to be incredibly educated and successful in his life. He also points to the history of Irish people and Jewish people and Chinese people and Japanese people, all of whom came to this country without any privilege, but all of whom have prevailed and all of whom dispel this common wisdom that those who have achieved, surely they must have been privileged at the outset. Well, maybe but maybe not. That may not be consistent with the empirical facts in every situation. 
My favorite quote from the book comes from a part where Saul is talking about social justice in the West, and he's talking about the fact that the social justice warriors want to take away money from some and redistribute it to others. They want to take from the haves, and they want to give to the have-nots because they assume that the haves have been oppressing and holding down the have-nots, and that's why they have so much. Souls made the case that this is not true, right? The world has never been a level playing field. While we can strive for equality of opportunity, we're never going to have equity of outcome. And this assumption that those who succeed have been oppressing other people just doesn't line up with the facts. He also makes the case that this redistribution of wealth and stuff just doesn't work. And he says this on page 186. There has never been a shortage of people eager to draw blueprints for running other people's lives, end quote. So you get a taste of Soul's libertarian strain in that statement. And what he's saying is that as socialism in the West creeps closer and closer towards a soft totalitarianism or even a hard totalitarianism, the danger is that we allow surrogate decision-makers to run our lives. And the danger in having a surrogate decision-maker run your life is that the surrogate decision-maker has no consequence when they make the wrong decision for somebody else's life. When you make a decision for your life, there's a consequence for good or for bad. But when someone else, big brother, the government, the nanny state, whoever, when they're making all the decisions for you, there's no consequence for them when something goes terribly wrong in your life because of the decision that they've made. So ministry takeaway for a regular pastor. Social justice is a hot topic today, and there are lots of books written from a biblical perspective of why we should reject the secular, socialist, Marxist version of social justice that's prevailing in the world and why we should embrace a biblical view of justice. So there's books out there that do that. Uh, This book by Saul is not written from a biblical standpoint. There are also common sense economic reasons that we ought to reject the secular, socialistic, Marxist version of social justice that prevails today. And that's the kind of book that Saul has written. He's not rooting his arguments necessarily in the biblical text, but he is rooting his arguments in common sense, honest, non-biased economic reasons to reject the Marxist view of social justice that's being shoved down our throats today. And I think as Christians, as a regular pastor, as uh, somebody who is a a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can recognize both of these uh, reasons. We can recognize that there's a biblical reason to reject a Marxist-influenced view of the world, and there's a common sense economic reason to reject that as well. Speaking as a pastor, if I had any critique or criticism of the book, it would just be that there is no reference to God and there's no reference to sin, which from a Christian worldview perspective is a bit of a limitation on the book, just evaluating disparities and inequalities. But I also think the book is true, and I think it's helpful, and I think it's thoughtful, and I think it's reasoned, and I think the critiques that it offers against 
the prevailing vision of social justice uh, are are true and helpful and right and good. And I think the assumption that all inequalities and disparities are the the result of hate-fueled discrimination and oppression is completely misguided. It dominates our lives today. The media shoves it down our throats. Uh, Companies and advertising, they shove this stuff down our throats. Uh, politicians in the laws that they make are trying to shove this stuff down our throats. But I think Sol just presents a reasoned argument that it's not always, disparities and inequalities are not always the result of oppression or racism or anything else that we're told is the, is the root cause today. If you look this book up on Goodreads, you will find it has a, a pretty solid rating of 4.49. I'd give it a solid 5. I mentioned the, the limitation in that it doesn't reference God or sin or appeal to the Scriptures, but for what Saul is trying to do in the book, he has certainly done what he set out to do in analyzing the economic disparities and inequalities that exist in the world today. Who should read the book? I think policymakers in the United States ought to read a book like this. I think policymakers have a decision to make when they vote on laws and they write legislation. Are we going to promote laws and policies that create equal opportunity? Hopefully, yes. Or are we going to try to craft legislation that promotes equal outcomes, equity of outcomes? Hopefully, no. And I think Sol's book makes a a powerful case that that's a, a terrible way to govern and to legislate. I also think Christians who want to think about what's happening in the world today, you want to understand what what's going on in the broader social justice movement, you want to understand uh, from an economic perspective why these ideas that are gaining so much traction are dangerous for society. And in addition to the Bible, you just want to think wisely about whether or not people are getting ahead because of oppression, or have these inequalities always existed? And is the idea that we can have equity of outcomes just a pipe dream? And is this notion that uh, the haves have been oppressing the have-nots, is that always and in every situation true? I think Sol gives, gives very helpful answers to all of those questions. So that's Discrimination and Disparities by Thomas Sowell. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Regular Pastor Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow for weekly episodes here in Season 4. Thanks in advance for giving us uh, feedback and an A-plus rating, a five-star rating, wherever you're listening. You can follow Regular Pastor online at regularpastor.com. You can also find me on Goodreads by searching for Landon Coleman. If you have a book recommendation or request, I would love to hear it and talk about that book here in season four. Until next week, this is The Regular Pastor, out.